The Bible Study Podcast, episode 187. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Revelation with Revelation 3. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Last week, we were looking at Revelation 2, which was letters to the churches, and this week, we continue with the letters to three additional churches. To the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is, so far, the harshest message to any of the churches. And first we get again sevens, and this is the letters to the seven churches, and we get seven spirits of God and seven stars. And again, seven usually meaning complete. I know your deeds, your reputation being alive, you are dead. This isn't really mincing words very much. This is a church that is being told that as God looks at what they do, not what they say they believe, but the way they act, as God looks at how they work out their faith in the reality of the works of their hands, the the words they're saying to each other, all of those things, God says, you're dead harsh. But you'll notice this is a little like the scene in The Princess Bride. God says they're not all dead. Both, not all of them are dead, but they are also not so dead that they can't come back. They're told to wake up, to strengthen what remains and is about to die. This is code blue. They're on the table and they're about to die and somebody needs to do something about it. And I've not found your deeds complete. You haven't done what you need to do. You haven't done what you've been called to do. You haven't been who you've been called to be. One of the things I find with the letters to the seven churches is that on various days, I relate to one or more of them. Now, granted, I haven't had a lot of dealings with the Nicolaitans like we dealt with last week. But I sometimes have had dealings with things or people that I maybe shouldn't have. And there are times that this letter feels like my letter. There are times that I feel that my deeds are not complete and that my faith is nearly dead. And I need a wake-up call like this. And so he reminds them what they have received and they have heard and tells them to obey it and repent. And that's really what almost dead means, is they are not being obedient they have fallen into sin and they need to repent. They need to to come back to what they've heard. They need to come back to what they've received. And he says, if you don't know what time I'll come, I'll come like a thief. 
But he says, there are some among you who are still dressed in white, who are still worthy. There's some among you who have kept pure in a situation where the entire church is not. And they will overcome. And their names will be written in the book of life and be acknowledged before the Father and his angels. So this is a word of hope again. Again, Revelation is about hope. Even though it's a harsh word, it's a word that says, some of you will be with me. Some of you are faithful. Repent, obey, and be faithful. Enter the Church of Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, again, the city of brotherly love. Uh, philos, meaning love. Uh, to the Church of Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And so again, we get this in every individual letter. We get an opening line about some aspect of who Jesus is. This is Jesus, son of David, who who binds and unbinds, who locks and unlocks. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength and that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my commands to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Philadelphia, again, is a place under persecution, apparently under persecution from the local Jewish synagogue. At least that's a major portion of the persecution here. And he says, I have put before you an open door that no one can shut. I'm seeing this as a door between Jesus and the church, that there is a way from where you are to where I am, that no one can prevent you from going through. You haven't denied my name. Unlike the last church that we were dealing with in Sardis, you have been faithful. You've been faithful when it wasn't easy to be faithful. You've been faithful to the truth when others have been liars. And he says, I will take those who have been lying about you, who have been accusing you falsely, and they will eventually fall down at your feet. Again, Revelation is about hope. Not only will you get through this, but you will be vindicated in the end. Because you have kept my commandments and you have endured patiently. And basically he's saying that the whole world will be tested There's an hour of trial that's going to come, but you are actually going to be spared from that. This is great news (laughs) because they've been going through hard times and he says, but you're going to be okay. This is strange when I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Have you ever heard somebody called a pillar in the church? Somebody who has been faithful through the years. We use that term to say that they help hold things up. They help support things. He says, basically, at this point, you will be a pillar in the temple of God, in the place where God dwells. You will be one of those people that we recognize as holding the place up. Very, very encouraging words. 
just very opposite of what the church in Sardis is being told. And then let's go on to the church in Laodicea. And it's interesting with these three churches, the church in Laodicea is in that middle ground, not dead and not always faithful. And we get a very famous passage from this particular passage. To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So again, these are attributes of Jesus and where he stands. That he is the Amen, the one who says, I agree. The faithful and true witness. And we use the word witness here that Jesus was a witness to the Father and gave his life as a witness to the love that the Father has for us. And the ruler of God's creation, the one who we serve, has power. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, Laodicea, all of these places, as we said, are in Asia Minor, what is now Turkey. Laodicea is in a valley at a base of this hill, and this hill is called Hierapolis, or on this hill are some hot springs called Hierapolis and Pumukule. If you ever have been to Turkey, there's a series of warm baths at the top of this hill that have been used by the Greek people who were there, and then later on still used by the Turks. And they're famous worldwide, these hot springs and these hot baths. But Laodicea is at the base of the hill that had pipes going down from these hot baths. But by the time the water got there, it was tepid. Now, there was also supposed to be a city further along that had cold baths. And Laodicea is halfway in between. And I'm not quite sure about that, as I am about the hot baths, because I've been to the hot baths. And there's still signs. If you go to Pamukkale, look for the signs to the town of Laodicea. It's still there. And so he's using their location and their situation as an analogy here. You are not known for the hot and you are not known for the cold. You are known for being eh, for being lukewarm. And he says, I I wish you'd just make up your mind. Whose side are you on? You're half-hearted. You're lukewarm. And you, I would even prefer you were cold than prefer you were lukewarm. It's just like there are temperatures of food that are good and you are not. This is something you spit out because it's it's cold food that's gotten warm or hot food that's gotten cold. Either way, it's not attractive. And the way you are acting is not attractive. And you don't realize how far you've come. You think you're rich and you're pitiful. You're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. How 
deluded this church has become from the situation that they're in. And so he offers them salve and clothes. He offers them solutions for all of the things he says that are their problem. And then we get that famous passage, I will, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Most of the time, when you hear Christians quote that passage, they're talking about it as if it were a passage intended for non-Christians, as if it were a passage that says that you are outside, you who don't come to my church, but behold, God stands at the doors and knocks. We need to remember this is a passage that is written to people who are in the church and yet still somehow are not hearing the knocking of God. This whole church is oblivious to the fact that God is trying to tell them something. But again, if you overcome, then you'll get a chance to sit with me at my throne as my father gave me that chance. Again, ending with a word of hope. And with that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.